0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. In this weekly show, the Husker Online team will give you the latest insight on Husker football, basketball, baseball, and, of course, recruiting. Now, here's your host, Husker Online publisher Sean Callahan.
1: Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washett, and Nate Klaus. And we'll be joined by Allie Snow later as it is her final day with Husker Online. So uh, we've got a fun, fun final day in store for her as well as she moves on. Um, And we'll hear about her future plans um, at that time as well. But we need to start off, guys, with the big news of the week. And I wouldn't call it necessarily surprising news um, but just the, the the on the surface of it, especially for, from the outside of Nebraska, it is a blow. JD Spielman officially put his name in the transfer portal. They mutually parted ways. Now for JD Spielman to. Uh, become eligible now for next year he'll need two waivers if he goes to an FBS program one to gain immediate eligibility and another um, in order to gain eligibility for missing an academic term as um, he did not complete his coursework here in semester number two in Lincoln so um, there's a lot there for him to play football I think obviously he knows he wants to and needs to if he wants to go to the NFL uh, it's going to require a waiver process Uh, But nonetheless, Nebraska loses their most productive wide receiver, their first wide receiver in school history to go for 800 or more yards three straight years. Um, but he had been gone really since late February, and there had been no contact with this Nebraska coaching staff and JD Spielman since that point, and it came to an end, Robin, here this week.
2: Well, that's the big reason why it's not a surprise whatsoever. I mean, yes, both sides technically left a sliver of door open for that uh, to possibly reunite, but uh, the fact that, you know, he abruptly left the team for personal reasons. I mean, that's a pretty big red flag right there, but two uh, he'd been in Lincoln. He'd been in Omaha. He was training with Keith Williams. And yet there was zero communication between JD Spielman and Nebraska's coaching staff. And that right there says everything you need to know that while technically uh, neither side was willing to close the book on this deal, both sides had already moved on and I think both already knew that this thing was not going to uh, figure itself out. So, you know, now at least there's some finality to it. Nebraska can go forward with the guys they have and get those young guys ready to play significant snaps from day one uh, while JD can, you know, take the next step of of his career and figure out the things he needs to figure out.
3: Yeah. The whole thing was not, I mean, the way it played out uh, to me, was not really a surprise. Um, and, And honestly, I don't know how many people, we're completely shocked by it, that, that at least people that were kind of following the situation. Um, you know, maybe the most surprising thing about it was that it took this long for him to – or for the for the two sides to kind of figure out. To even out, communicate. Yeah, to communicate at all um, and to, to come to the conclusion that, hey, okay, yeah, uh, this is not working out or, or whatever. We're going our separate ways. Um, but, you know, and, and I mean, it hurts Nebraska, obviously. Um, you know, his production alone is going to be hard to, to replace. He's one of the top wide receivers in the Big Ten, so you don't just, you know, you know lose a guy like that and, and not feel it at all. But on the flip side, I mean, I, th- I do think that you know, when you look at that wide receiver room as a whole, um, you'd be hard-pressed to say that, that it's not a more talented group or more versatile group than what they had last year.
1: And you look at Spielman now um, as you kind of, where will he go next? And obviously everyone's like, well, he's going to stay home and go to Minnesota. And I don't know if it's that simple because in order for him to play, he needs complete cooperation from Nebraska to sign off on both the waivers. And, you know, and is Nebraska, if you're in their shoes – are you going to just fully cooperate to send him off to a rival Big Ten school? I, 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 that's why I don't know if that's going to happen uh, because of you know the cooperation it's going to take on both sides. And I think they've they've reached a mutual agreement is is what I was told that he probably won't go to the Big Ten. So uh, it will be interesting where he goes. Oregon State I think is where a lot of people lean. What about this though? What about the FCS? What about say would North Dakota State or South Dakota State, which are both pretty close to Minneapolis? He wouldn't need an eligibility waiver there because it's a level down. He'd still need one to get eligible for missing a term. But I'll be very curious where he goes. There's no question he's going to have a lot of teams that at least show interest in him here down the stretch.
2: Well, Look at the the FCS uh, level and the opportunity that is for a guy like JD. So, for one, the NFL bridge from the FCS to the NFL is a lot easier to cross than it used to be. I mean, the number of proven, not only NFL players, but starters and pro bowlers that have come from that level uh, makes it uh, a much more appealing market for NFL GMs. And so that, I think, is one reason why that could be on the table. But two... JD a proven commodity at the power five level. Uh, he doesn't need to show what he can do, um, in one of the better conferences in the country. And so, uh, by going to the FCF's level, he would obviously kind of rid himself of all that waiver, uh, you know, hurdles that would be in his way. He'd be able to play right away, and if he's there to go have success, especially at a top-level team like a a North Dakota State or whatever it may be, uh, I mean, that's, that's a pretty good path to eventually getting that end goal of making the NFL, assuming that is his end goal. I mean, I think right now you're also talking about you know, does he even want to play football? Did he like right now? football I know. at some points? Yeah, yeah,
3: that's my biggest question is, you know, does he love the game enough to to go from Nebraska to an FCS school and and grind it out and and uh, you know, go through school and everything to in hopes of, of being drafted next spring? I mean I I just I've never gotten the feeling that JD loves football um, and that you know and really t- from talking with him um, as a recruit coming up he, he he flat out told me that his first love has always been lacrosse and he actually committed to Ohio State uh, I think his sophomore year in high school for lacrosse and then it became increasingly clear that football was going to be maybe the the path uh, that he should take or whatever so but I, I just have never felt like he he loved football. I've Never felt like he necessarily you know kind of meshed with a with a team or, or was was all the way you know bought in. I guess you could say. So I, I just don't know for sure if if that's what he's going to do or if that's what his end goal is to to be a professional football player.
1: You're listening here to the Huskar Line Show as we close this discussion out, guys, on JD Spielman in the receiver position. I wrote this week that there may not be a position group that has more expectations on it ever to come in and immediately play than Nebraska's 2020 wide receiver group. I really can't think of a time where it's this cut and dry. There's no question that this group of guys are going to have to play and a couple might even be in starting roles. To compliment a Wondell Robinson, and it will be interesting because Nate, there, you know this group of guys as well as anybody. Um, you know they have to come on, and they can't. There can't be a miss with this group. No,
3: there can't be a miss with this group, and and um, I mean you could legitimately make a case for any one of those guys to. To play um, as a true freshman and, and make an impact not just you know kind of have a role or or play the four games and red shirt i i mean you could make a case for any one of those signees in the 2020 class to uh to come in and, and make an impact and and forego their redshirt. obviously omar manning being a juco that's what you expect out of a guy like that uh, but you know xavier betts is is somebody i think that we still Kind of maybe don't give enough credit to. Uh, I mean, he's six three, one ninety, and then Marcus Fleming is he's a verified you know ten two hundred meter guy, one of the fastest players in the state of Florida. Will Nixon uh, played at an extremely high level in Texas as a coach's son. You know, he kind of does a little bit of everything. Um, you know, and, and so I mean, all those guys are, are players that can come in and, and contribute immediately, and and they're going to be needed. Uh, that's that's going to be a group. There's there's a lot of open production there, and they need some guys that that can. Uh, give Nebraska, you know, some some bodies, some
2: capable bodies at that position. So with that being said uh, assuming the majority of those guys can pan out at least somewhat to the level that we hope would you say that Nebraska's receiving core is actually in a better spot going into 2020 than it was at the end of 2019?
1: Yeah, I look at it like this, you know, look at Damarian Houston and Jamie Nance and um, Darian Chase, I mean, they couldn't get on the field last year and the position had never been more depleted than what we saw. I mean, you would have loved to have had Brian Reimers last year. That's that's where the situation was. You didn't even have Brian Reimers. You didn't have any walk-ons other than an 80% version of Cade Warner playing late in the season. You had Ken Noah, who just really – that didn't pan out. Let's just call that what it is. You had J.D., and then you had Wandell, who was trying to do about 25 things as a true freshman. Um, so, yeah, there's no doubt. There's going to be better bodies here. The competition's going to be better. Omar Manning and Alante Brown are unique as their older guys you're bringing in. Betts is as physically gifted of an incoming receiver recruit as we've seen in years um, for a freshman. And then Fleming, as Nate has talked about, is maybe the fastest receiver Nebraska's ever recruited.
3: Yeah, I mean, like I said, you can make a case to all those guys. And Nixon's a coach's kid. Yeah, and, and Nixon is a, is a coach's kid who – um, can, can play out of the backfield, can play out of the slot, can do a number of different things. So um, I, I would say, that I mean, from top to bottom, I, I like this wide receiver group better than what they had last year. Now, it's a lot of unproven yeah. – It's all on potential. It's all potential. I mean, they're all unproven guys for the most part, outside of Wandale and, and Cade Warner. So, I mean, obviously those guys, there's a lot of guys that are going to have to step up. Uh, but if, if even – you know, three quarters of those players live up to their potential, and it could be a pretty fun group to watch.
1: And the the old fall camp slogan, "They're swimming in it." Well, these guys are gonna have to swim in it and learn <laughs> how to swim on Saturdays right away, and that will be something all of us will be watching closely. All right, when we come back, uh, we're gonna talk about what it might look like here in July and August as the NCAA football oversight committee has a tentative return-to-play path set up. We'll give our thoughts on that next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wachett, and Nate Klaus as uh, we're talking now return-to-play. As for Nebraska. They've been on that path really before anybody in college football. They had their players all in Lincoln for the most part by early to mid-May. And they were one of the few teams that had their entire team tested for COVID-19 in May, So, which meant on June 1, they could begin immediately doing workouts in the weight room without instruction in groups of 20 or so. Um, and, and that's where we're at right now. And Ross Dellinger broke this story from Sports Illustrated um, with the NCAA Football Oversight Committee guys and, and right now, here's what the proposed plan would be for teams that open on Labor Day weekend. Now, this would be moved up a week for teams that play on quote week zero. Um, but from June 1 to July 12th, everything the way it is right now will happen. So, voluntary workouts, which means they can lift, but there can't be instruction. Then, July 13th to July 23rd, required workouts can begin. That includes six hours in the weight room with strength and conditioning staffs and then two hours allowed with film session time with coaches off the field Um, that's the normal june in most years it's called eight kara hours that you're allowed to have in june then this is the real big twist starting on july 24th you can still have those workouts with strength coaches scheduled uh, but the ncaa committee wants to put in what's called an enhanced training camp, which would be similar to NFL OTAs. So if July 24th to August 6th, you'd be able to have essentially practices with no helmets or pads, but you can use a football. You can run plays on air. You can run, you know, different situations um, as long as helmets and pads are not worn. And then August 7th, to August 30th is your regular training camp. August 31st to September 5th would be the game week for Nebraska against Purdue. Um, I think it's a good plan. Um, I'm a little surprised though, that they're waiting so long to get the organized workouts going. I mean, I I think why not let them get going by mid to late June, um, is a little confusing, uh, I think it's more they're trying to get a one size fit all model mm-hmm. that no teams can start organized workouts before other teams can and I think they're assuming everybody in the country will be on their campuses by July 13th.
2: Yeah, I think that's totally the reason. Um you don't want to give in a, any competitive advantage for teams that are able to start earlier than others. I mean, that'd be essentially weeks of preparation that other teams can't get beyond their control. So I think that's what you're looking at now but you know, we were talking about this off air about the enhanced training camp that it wouldn't be a surprise to see this kind of become the norm going forward where it's kind of your pre-fall camp where, you know, it goes beyond just your summer workout and conditioning programs where you're actually getting guys doing football and being able to, you know, work together with a football with, you know, coaching supervision and stuff like that. So, you know, I think that that is something that, you know, we want to look at the ripple effect of this crazy off season and how it might change the future of sports schedules, you know, on and off season going forward. I think this is probably a pretty good um, piece of what one of those changes might be where you're getting teams a little bit more hands-on involvement with these kids during the off season than they otherwise would.
3: Yeah. I, I love the enhanced training camp portion of of the schedule and and I think that especially as it relates to newcomers, uh, I think that's a perfect time period for these new guys to to kind of you know become acclimated to college life, become acclimated to college football, and start learning things before the pads come on and, and before their heads are completely spinning. And so, um, you know, I really like it. Now, I'm not sure what the coaches are going to think about that if it's if this does become permanent. You know, that you're talking about them losing an extra week of their of their summer, essentially. Um, you know, and, and same with the players, too. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure that it might be a mixed bag as far as what the coaches like or what they don't like about it. But overall, I, I like the way that they're kind of rolling this out. And Like you guys said, I, I think the only question I initially had was – why not organize workouts earlier? But it's got to be the the competitive advantage. Yep. Yeah, yeah,
1: because there are believe it or not, I don't think some teams that are having their players back until July.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So there an Oklahoma, Oklahoma, mm-hmm. because you know Lincoln Riley's been so out in front of not getting back on campuses, um, and they kind of backed him on that, and and they're going to be one of the later Power Fives. Uh, Northwestern's going to be later too. Um, I know Wisconsin will be back. Um, but, yeah, there's different politics involved, as we know, from a state-to-state level. Uh, but Nebraska sits – Lincoln, particularly, sits in a very good position right now uh, with all of this um, as they, they move forward. Um, but, yeah, the 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 lost spring practices, I think we all agree that's not going to happen. But the enhanced training camp portion, I think, will be a help, especially because the newcomers will be able to get those repetitions um, take advantage of that, even if it's not in pads and helmets.
2: Well, and I think that when you look, you take into account the required workouts and then the enhanced training camp. That is almost a full month of time that coaches can have with players. I mean, even if it is limited, you're at least getting face time with these guys that you know otherwise you might not might not get. So, yes, I mean you can't simulate the spring practices and actually playing real football, the scrimmages, let alone the spring games and all that stuff. But I think this is at least a, a nice consolation in the sense that um, you know not, not only are guys able to work out together and you know develop their own chemistry, but you know you're getting those two hours with coaches and film sessions you know basically for uh, the better part of July, and then with the enhanced training camp um, that basically lets you get as much of a leg up going into the start of fall camp as you could possibly ask for considering the circumstances.
3: And for the newcomers, I, I think that it might be better that they're going through this and just you know shorts, um, you know, and, and not in full pads because now they'll be able to kind of learn and get a grasp of of how practices run, get a grasp of the playbook, obviously, and um, you know personnel groupings and so on and so forth. And so um, that way, when when the pads do come on, they can kind of they'll hit the ground running. So um, you know, I, I think it's going to be huge for all the newcomers.
1: Well, let's be honest; a lot of this has been going on over the years, but it's player led. Yeah. So you you get the players together. And they're running seven on seven and practicing situations. Um, and you know Scott Frost in our interview co- uh, uh, over a week ago, he mentioned you know there are some benefits to player led because it does allow guys to take ownership and leadership and it doesn't make the coaches have to be in charge all the time so that's been one of the positives that he has seen this off season. that you know more and more guys have been forced to take ownership and leadership especially because there can't be any coaching or instruction involved now as we know until probably at least
2: july 13th i think one of the things we're going to learn um you know once sports actually do return is which teams have the guys that want it? Uh, there's been so much self-motivation required, whether guys are at home working out in their garage or, you know, running hills at their local park or whatever it may be, that There's going to be a pretty clear separation of the guys that you know kept that mentality uh, all through this whole disruption of their normal you know kind of spoon-fed schedule uh, and had to do it on their own. And there's and then the guys that didn't, the The guys guys that that got good at Fortnite, the guys that you know went (laughs) and ran a couple miles and called it good. I mean, so I mean that there's that's what's going to be the difference, Um, and you're going to see it pretty clearly uh, once those first games start to happen. And it almost sets the bar for some crazy upsets and just uh, a total unknown of uh, some of these early season games because there's so many variables that otherwise wouldn't be there that will ultimately dictate how that first month of college football goes
3: well yeah and not only is there going to be a separator across the whole landscape of college football but yeah I'm interested to to see you know once workouts begin or or now that the guys are all on campus even right now like who who showed up in good shape who who showed up you know kind of lagging behind, you know, who is it obvious that that maybe they were being couch potatoes when when some other guys may have been pushing themselves even harder than they would have normally uh, to to gain that edge. So, um, you know, I'm kind of curious. You know, I wish I was a fly on the wall in the weight room when a lot of these guys came back just to see – You know, who was self-motivated or or who took that opportunity to maybe become a a leader and and lead by example and and be, you know, working extra hard.
1: Well, we're a long way from September, but we're another step closer. So that's good news here as uh, it looks like we have a pretty good path as what this summer is going to look like before Nebraska gets on the field in September to play Purdue. When we come back, Nebraska basketball's Matt Abdelmasi is going to join us next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Robin Washett talking Nebraska basketball as we're pleased to be joined by assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've talked to coach, but a lot has happened um, in the world of sports here with recruiting. Uh, but most importantly, College athletes and basketball players um, have now made their way back to campus, and that's where we want to start here with Coach. Uh, as you look at things right now, Coach, um, give us an update. How many guys are on campus right now for you, and what can and can't you do at this point uh, with these guys as they make their way here into Lincoln?
4: Yeah, definitely. Great being back with you guys. Yeah, we uh, since the last time we spoke, you know, luckily have had a lot of positive movement and a little bit of sense of normalcy back to our lives with our guys returning to Lincoln or actually a lot of them for the first time coming to Lincoln. They <laughs> they have never seen Lincoln or the state of Nebraska before. So that's been interesting. Uh, we have nine scholarship players that are currently here. Um, you know, It's been really nice. We've had guys come in waves and that's really just to help with the protocol that set up by the university and by the state where when guys come to town they have to quarantine uh, and self-isolate for um, 48 to 72 hours and they do that alone whether it's in their apartment or they have a university housing quarantine zone set up where the student athletes can go. Once they do that then they get tested um, and then the results come back for the test usually within 48 hours. So it's a total of probably five days if they're lucky, four days where, uh, they're having a quarantine. So it's been positive. Um, you know, we've had our guys, um, that have tested all come back negative. Um, once they are negative, then that allows them to, uh, start working out in the, uh, weight room and, or also on the court, the on court situation is is pretty simple i mean we can't do anything with them we can't instruct we're not on the court um but our gas are are on the court with them Uh, our training staff is allowed to be on the court with them just monitoring um you know their workload because it's really important for us really in the beginning to uh just slowly ease into things we can't rush things a lot of these kids are coming back to lincoln with limited um resources back at home where they didn't really lift they really didn't work out uh, especially with so many places being completely shut down so it's just going to be an easy process uh, for them to go through these first 30 days where we get a a really solid foundation and get their weight back and um, you know eventually hopefully by July we can we can hit the ground running with uh, with the entire squad here.
2: Now I know uh, for the guys that Aren't here yet. Um, do you have an update on maybe when um, you expect them to uh, arrive? And then, kind of, how much do you think um, their delay upon their arrival is maybe setting them back compared to the rest of the guys?
4: Well, first off, it's definitely not going to set them back because it's not like uh, there's a, an enormous amount of stuff that we can do with them. Luckily, the guys that aren't in Lincoln yet have had the ability to work out. um, So they're gonna be perfectly fine. I don't think they're gonna, they're uh, not gonna skip a beat when they get into Lincoln. And the update on when they will arrive, we really don't know. Uh, Right now the borders are still closed with incoming flights from Europe. So Ivan and Thor uh, cannot come back to the States until that is lifted. We're expecting and hopeful that that could happen. Uh, By the beginning of July, if it happens sooner, that's that's great. But we're trying to be cautiously optimistic that beginning of July we get them back. Um, We still have a few other guys that will be coming into town the rest of this week. And um, so we should be at 11 of the 13 in the next few days and then just waiting on those two guys. But, you know, for us, um, we've done as good of a job as we can with communicating with the returners on things that we want them to do, Um, you know, our our training staff has done a phenomenal job communicating with them, you know, and and luckily, like I said, for those two guys, they do have the ability to get into a gym. So uh, luckily they're not, I I don't foresee them coming behind when they get to campus. Um, You know, the only thing that in a perfect world you would hope is having all 13 guys here in Lincoln is, is, uh, is great to where, We have so many new guys and Mm -hmm. just team chemistry and and building each other's trust is so important. That's might be more important than anything when you have so many new guys from so many different backgrounds. Um, But, you know, it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. We're working with it. We're just fortunate enough that we can even get them here. So we're going to take that as a win and, and do our job to continue to emphasize all the protocols in place and hopefully have a, uh, uneventful summer.
2: Right. And that was kind of my next question was with the guys that are here, you know, what types of things, um, I mean, maybe you guys as a staff with, you know, however much you can interact with them, are you trying to uh, kickstart that whole chemistry and continuity stuff of guys that have never even met each other, or even been in the same room together, getting that process going of becoming a unified team off the court?
4: Yeah, you know, um, with everything Set in place right now, there are some things we can and can't do. So, really, right now the focus is is when when we're able to, you know, start doing some smaller team meals and switch those groups up where they can get, um, you know, start talking to each other and learn about each other. For the most part, though, it's been actually really good. Um, where they're in a group message, I know they've had plenty of conversations through the month of May. Um, So they know who each other they, they are, Um, you know, a lot of them know each other's backgrounds. So we've been able to kickstart through that where those guys have really done a good job of, of uh, initiating contact. You know, the other good thing is, is the early signs of it is we have a group that is really locked in on making sure they do their part in, in helping Nebraska get to a level it's never been before. And they're, they're relentless workers, uh, committed to the, the the process of getting better. They're gym rats. Um, you know and a lot of them too understand like this is my shot. and a lot of them their last shot to go out and uh, and go make a name for themselves. you know, their backs against the walls and you know they got they got they have to figure it out. So they're hungry. and you could see that when you're interacting with them and and it's been uh, it's definitely been a breath of fresh air. And, um, you know, with that being said, the chemistry part, I think, will will be a, a pretty seamless process because of that. Uh, it's a very energetic and, and funny group, and I don't think we're going to have any issues with them getting along and, and being fully committed to what we're trying to build here.
1: We're joined by Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi. Coach, just a few minutes left with you, but I wanted to get your take on the recruiting calendar. As a guy that obviously spends a lot of time um, focused on recruiting – Um, what is your hope? What do you hope the NCAA can do that's realistic right now? Because obviously your normal calendar is is not out there at this point. And and is there even a way, in your opinion, to allow coaches out, even if it's sometime in August, to have a live period this year?
4: Um, Yeah, you know, really our mindset right now is, is our team getting them here when it comes to the recruiting world, next week's a big week we're allowed to contact rising Juniors 2022 class kids. We'll be very busy throughout the week with zoom calls with kids that we feel like we, we have a great opportunity to attract to Nebraska. Um, when it comes to the recruiting calendar listen, whatever they decide, you know we're definitely uh, we'll be ready to go. you know I will say that you know I, me, me and coach have talked about it if there is an August period. We're not 100% sure we'll even attend, especially for him. Um, You know, we have to be realistic with where things are at. And and Coach is a high-risk guy when it comes to the virus. And certainly I don't think it it would be very smart for him to walk into a gym packed full of people, especially if there is no vaccine, which I would think is highly unlikely in the next 60 days. Um, So we don't know what it will look like even for us internally as a staff, like who would go out. who who would stay back. Um, You know, I hope they have a a period because the kids, they need it. They deserve it. You know, that some kids um, need to increase in in their recruitment. So um, for us, we'll just take it as it comes. You know, um, our focus is on these kids right now coming on campus. If they create a period, great. If not, you know, we'll be ready to go with the September evaluation period whenever that opens up and, you know, our main focus is organizing what the fall is going to look like with official visits and locking those up, and and continuing the momentum we've created.
2: All right. The, uh, another last question here. Uh, big topic, yeah. but need, need a condensed answer. <laughs> the name image likeness thing uh, that's been really picking yeah. up steam here. Um, you know, I saw a tweet from uh, Blake Lawrence at Open Doors who said that, uh, you know, listed all the guys that could make over a thousand dollars a year just from social media posts in the National yeah. Letter of Intent. Aaron Trey McGowan uh, was the, the top guy for your program. As a recruiter, um, especially at a place at Nebraska that doesn't necessarily have the, the history uh, to sell, how much of that do you anticipate being incorporated into your recruiting pitch, um, and how different does that separate Nebraska from other programs?
4: Well, it already is. Um, you know, we definitely are proactive in explaining to them if this rule passes, it's a heck of an advantage coming to a school like the University of Nebraska where there's no pro sports, and you are the show in town, um, you know, clearly that will open up many doors and opportunities, um, you know, comparative to other places where they do have a lot of things going on with pro sports. Um, so it is a huge part. You know, we're all clearly very supportive of it. Um, it's, it's the right time. It's uh, well overdue and, and hopefully things get ironed out and all the smart people can get in the, in the room and, and figure out what they want to set up and, and get it initiated uh, very soon.
1: Well, Coach, uh, we appreciate the time uh, and hope you're enjoying this rare downtime in a Division One coaching life. I've seen you walking around our neighborhood a little bit, going on probably more <laughs> walks than normal. Um, so I hope you're enjoying that time you have right now.
4: Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, definitely. It's great talking to you guys and connecting and, and looking forward to talking to you again soon.
1: All right. Once again, thanks to Nebraska basketball assistant coach Matt Abdelmazi. More to come as we'll take your questions in the mailbag next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: And welcome back here to the Husker Online show. Sean Callahan, Robin Wachett, Nate Klaus, uh, and pleased to be joined for a final time by Husker Online's intern, Allie Snow, as she has graduated, obviously, this uh, summer, and she does have some exciting news. Allie, um, first of all, thank you for all your hard work and time the last couple of years with us here at Husker Online. and. And what is the next move in the life of Allie Snow?
5: Well, thank you to all of you for just giving me the opportunity to intern here. It's been great. But so on Monday, I start... At Channel Eight here in Lincoln as a reporter and producer, so I'm super excited and hopefully I'll get to do some sports in the fall.
1: Well, congratulations again. Um, we're glad to have you for one final mail mailbag, and we are going to have a nice little celebratory party for you afterwards oh, on no on your sense. final show. So yes, yeah, some <laughs> our good friends, our neighbors at Gate Twenty Five are going to uh, be giving us some good food and drink uh, to celebrate Allie's final day. But let's get to the mailbag. What do you have to start us out with?
5: Thoughts on athletes earning money from social media posts. Will this be a recruiting disadvantage for smaller schools?
1: Um, yes. Um, I think a place like Nebraska, places with passionate fan bases, are going to have a huge advantage in this. But there's going to be some interesting outliers too. Um, and Elliot Brown, the walk-on. Mm-hmm. Because of say his friendship with JoJo Siwa, Um, if you're not familiar, I have a seven year old daughter. That's why I know who JoJo Siwa is a
2: Nickelodeon superstar, singer, actress, all that stuff.
1: And just by him appearing on a few TikTok and Instagram videos with JoJo Siwa, he has as many followers as anybody on the football team right now in Nebraska. And you know that that will be an interesting case study on a guy like that. Can he benefit off NLI? Even though you know he's really not a guy that's going to. Maybe have a huge role or, you know, is not a high profile recruit, but there's no doubt a place like Nebraska, a place like Ohio State, Penn State, you're going to see their athletes probably benefit off this a lot more than, say, a Northwestern, even within the own conference.
2: Well, yeah, without question. And that just is one of the separators Nebraska's had all along is not only the the passion of the fan base, but the celebrity status that. Not just football players, not just basketball players, but literally almost every student athlete at the university has, because they uh, play sports at Nebraska, and so now they're able to capitalize on that. And I think when you, you look extend it even further, look at the walk on program. Uh, you know, Elliot Brown's a kind of an outlier example of that, but uh, Nebraska's walk on program has already been such a selling point just because of the the tradition it has. But now you can pair that with Not only can you walk on to your home state school and play for the team you always grew up wanting to play for, but now you can make a little bit of money off of it, which might be able to compete with these decisions Potential walk-ons have to make of taking a full ride, and you could put that on paper and a, say, "Hey,
1: and by the way, this guy got this fixed. much money."
2: And, and as you get more data on that, you can say, "Look, at the, this is the total income earned from uh, walk-on over four years. You know, the average income." And so uh, that could be a huge resource for Nebraska, not only just on the you know recruiting scholarship players, but keeping in-state you know walk-on borderline scholarship kids home by giving them that uh, outlet for you know. Gaining on their likeness that they wouldn't be able to get at other schools. Yeah,
3: I, I think it has the potential to to completely revamp the way they they recruit walk-ons uh, or make it way easier now to to get walk-ons and high quality walk-ons that have a lot of other offers on the table from some smaller schools, but maybe more willing to to turn those down in favor of, of uh, you know paying their own tuition, but having the added benefit of of possibly um, you know having some major earnings potential. Uh, through social media and whatnot. But as far as recruiting goes, um, you know, as a whole, I, I think this is really going to impact a lot of schools differently. Nebraska is going to be taking a huge advantage of this. I mean, it, and not just for football. I, I think, I mean, if you're a student athlete at the University of Nebraska, you're, you're basically Nebraska's pro franchise. There, there are no other, you know, pro sports. There there are no other Division I uh, outside of Creighton, I guess. No other Division I, um, you know, big-time sports in, in the state. Everybody is a Husker fan for the most part. And so um, whether you're a football player, whether you're the outside hitter on the volleyball team, um, you know, go on, on down the list throughout all the sports, uh, there, you're going to have major earnings potential here in Lincoln uh, than, you, you, know, than otherwise, you might otherwise have at, at some other places. So um, I, I do think it's going to have a huge impact
1: on recruiting.
5: With all that in mind, is Nebraska a pioneer for this? Have other sco- other schools started doing something similar?
1: I'll say they have somewhat of an edge because the guy that's going to really implement the blueprint for almost every school in the country runs his business out of Lincoln, Nebraska, and Blake Lawrence and Adi Kanalik, and he's an alum, and they're both former players for Nebraska, so... On that end of it, I think Nebraska has a significant advantage that the guy that everybody in the country is now calling and he's signing on to big, big deals to manage their athletes and help them in these areas is right down the street from Memorial Stadium.
2: Well, it also helps that Nebraska is in a situation athletically that they can capitalize on this as much as any school in the country. Uh, I mean, the celebrity status of Every student athlete, as we mentioned, is so much different than most every other place. So you look at volleyball. You know, Blake put out a tweet where he listed the top 10 Nebraska student athletes that could benefit the most financially off their social media presence. Three of them were volleyball players. Name me another college volleyball program that can say that. Stanford can't say it. Penn State can't say it. Go down the list. Texas can't say it. And so Nebraska already was uh, head and shoulders above most every other program in the country. Now you pair this, where you can point to Lexi Sun and the tens of thousands of dollars that she could potentially make off her social media, along with playing for a perennial national championship contender. Look out. I mean, that's Nebraska volleyball of any program could benefit from this as much as any at at this university.
3: Yeah, John Cook's got to be just Looking over chops. the moon
2: right now. Yeah, um,
3: absolutely. Nebraska is a pioneer, and this really could not have come together better for Nebraska. I think because. Not only are they kind of leading the charge in this deal, but they're partnering up with with, uh, Open Doors, which is run by two former Huskers, like Sean said, and and they are really the pioneers in this whole deal. Uh, They now have over 13,000 athletes that that work with them and that they partner up with uh, with endorsement deals through social media. Um, And so they were the first school that signed on with Open Doors. And since, I know, I mean, there's been – countless others that, that have followed suit. I, I know Ohio State and Clemson uh, were, were two big ones that followed after Nebraska uh, partnered up with Open Doors with their Athlete Ready uh, program. So all taking advantage of the, the name, image, and likeness deal that, that is coming up uh, with the NCAA. All right, we
1: got time for two more, Allie. What do you have?
5: What happens if a player tests positive for coronavirus during these summer workouts?
1: Well, I, I think when you're seeing these guys test positive now, it's because they're coming back and then they're tested when they're back. So they're, they're, they've developed a protocol, a quarantine system. You know, they're, they're not letting these guys be around anybody until they test. Um, and that's the key. So they can at least trace who, when, where, how it happened. Um, but yeah, if somebody gets it now within Lincoln, I think there's gonna have to be a whole other protocol of contact tracing and, and steps involved. Um, who's been around that person they need to be tested, et cetera. And luckily, I think by starting this up in June, it is going to allow time, um, you know, for it to happen. Now, the good news is Lincoln's a great place right now. I mean, they were only on... Tuesday, there were four people in the whole city of 300,000 people that tested positive for COVID-19. So we're seeing our numbers in this city go down, and and you hope it stays that way.
2: Well, and Matt Abdelmasi laid it out pretty well about just the the process that guys returning to campus are going through. And I would imagine, you know, from at least the smaller roster sports, it'll be a lot easier to handle and a lot easier to trace uh, the contact, especially early on when, Guys are essentially broken up into smaller groups. So you talk about, you know, 15 Nebraska basketball players, probably three groups of five. You know, that's a little bit easier to h- handle. That football is a different story, obviously, because you're talking about much bigger groups. But like Sean said, we're still so early in the process that, um, you know, as this continues to develop and uh, the, the There'll be a better protocol in place and a much better plan, I'm sure, than what they have right now, just because no one has really uh, experienced having to deal with anything like this before.
3: Yeah, the good thing is that they're they're able to, to kind of have the team all in one spot now, and and if if someone does get it now, you'd rather see that happen in, in the summer months than than you know during the season. So. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see what exactly the protocol is, you know, if and when that does happen.
1: All right. Final question, Allie, your final question on the mailbag (gasps) as one of our Oscar line interns.
5: We're going to end with a fun one, but what is your dream vehicle?
1: Um, I mean, I have an SUV, um, that I really like, I mean, I can't imagine I, I'm not like a sports car guy. I don't think I could ever see myself driving mm-hmm. a sports car. So, I mean, I don't, I don't.
2: I mean, I don't even know what I would yeah. call it, my dream. I'd probably called. say G wagon. Yes, <laughs> you <laughs> <too>. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, Fred Fred Hoiberg was rolling. Uh, were you there, Ali? Yeah, yes. So Fred Hoiberg's got he's got multiple cars. He's got Teslas. He's got you know <laughs> all those things. So, uh, anyway, yeah, probably a Range Rover. Range Rover or G wagon? G wagon. What I say?
3: Range Rover? No g-wagon g-wagon okay um yeah that'd be nice uh but i i like to go fast and so i think i would i would probably go with a sports car of you know if if i could have whatever i wanted um you know i'm probably you know lamborghini or or uh you know an aston martin or something like that but uh but also i also like suvs too so
1: yeah, probably like a loaded out Range Rover, Land Rover type car would be, you know, some one of the really top end. If you could just get any car, something like that. But what about you, Allie? Yeah.
5: Well, Allie. I'm with Robin with the G-Wagon. It would be a matte black G-Wagon Ooh. with rose gold rims and a rose gold interior. Okay. That's, that's my. Cat. You've not put any thought into this before, have you? <laughs> no, that's my goal. I gotta have that when I'm older. All right.
1: Well, Allie, we really want to thank Thank you you, for all your hard work. You've been great professional and and we hope that you've learned a lot with us and we're excited to follow your career after Husker Online.
5: Yes. Thank you, guys. I'll miss it. I'll miss you.
1: Star in the making. All right. (laughs) Keep your eyes on Allie Snow. She's going to be on Lincoln Television here very shortly. So uh, congrats again, Allie, and thanks as uh, we move forward here. When we come back, Nate Klaus and I will talk recruiting to close the show. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show.
0: This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.
1: Final segment here of the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan and Nate Klaus talking recruiting. And Nate, it's been a slow climb, but Nebraska now up to nine commits over the last week. They picked up two, um, and most notably... 500-mile radius linebacker Seth Malcolm, um, who you could really argue is an in-state kid. I mean, a lot of people that live in his town work in Nebraska. His dad actually is an Omaha firefighter. So you you almost look at this as getting an in-state guy. And Seth Malcolm, um, but had a lot of regional Power 5 offers. He commits to Nebraska on Saturday. Um, And, you know, I I just think the perception of this is big because Nebraska put a lot of effort into Seth, and to close out with him was big.
3: Yeah, it was big. You know, Nebraska, they need three inside linebackers in this recruiting class. And and Seth Malcolm has has taken that third spot. And he's a guy that they targeted very, very early on in the process. They offered him after his sophomore year, um, you know, in, in which is fairly significant considering he's from a small town. He's from an eight-man school. And and um you know he's like i think you and i were were trying to figure out when the last time nebraska received a commit from an eight-man guy andrew shanley yeah sent from saint ed's um you know back in the 2002 class and so it's been a very long time since nebraska gave a full ride scholarship to to an eight-man player but um he certainly fits the mold of what barrett rude likes he he's 6'3 200 pounds he's got a great frame he he runs very very well uh, he's physical, you know. He, he can he can come downhill and, and fill a gap in in the box against a run, and he can cover a tight end down the field 20 yards in pass coverage and, and pick off a pass. And, I mean, he's he's very very versatile player, and so um, you know, and he, he's a very intelligent kid. He's he's one of those guys that you're never going to have to worry about uh, if he's doing the right thing on or, on or off the field. Uh, he's kind of a self motivated guy and. And, uh, you know, comes from a very athletic family. So uh, I think it was a good pickup. And and like you said, I consider him pretty much an in-state guy. And so just like Randolph Kapai, you know, those players in South South Dakota, especially in the Sioux Falls areas – Area, I think you have to consider those guys um, in state players. And then, you know, Council Bluffs and, and Tabor, Iowa, you know, are right, basically right across the river, too. So you have to consider those guys in state players.
1: And Nate, with not being able to have out of state guys really come to Lincoln and experience much, it's never been more important to win locally because these are the guys that have probably experienced your program. And now for Nebraska, you've got some names still out on the board like AJ Rollins, Thomas Fedoni, and Council Bluffs. Um, T.J. Bowlers in Kiffin, Amana, Iowa. Um, so as you start to zone forward or look ahead – um, you know, and, and kind of look at some key regional guys. I mean, how do you like Nebraska's chances of some of the other regional names that they've at least been able to have on campus?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I like their chances with, uh, with the majority of those players. So, so even Bowlers right now, what's your thoughts? Well, yeah, I think Bowlers is probably the outlier out of the players that you mentioned. I think that he's a Wisconsin lean, and he's been hinting at making a decision here pretty soon. So I'm not sure exactly when that's going to happen. I know that initially he had planned on taking all of his official, Visits, but he'd also planned on having all those officials done by the end of June, and so uh, obviously the the schedule has changed. Uh, the recruiting calendar has has uh, changed drastically, and that's not going to happen. And so, um, you know, I, I think the the last school that he was able to visit was Wisconsin. He had a terrific time there, and um, I, I think it's pretty much. You know, pretty well known that the the Badgers hold the edge. But Nebraska is also very much in the mix there. And, and you know, one of his good friends and workout partners and, and fishing buddies is Henry Litovsky, who's Nebraska's offensive line – commit or one of Nebraska's offensive line commits. And so um, there's a connection there. Eric Chenander has done a great job of recruiting – bowlers and and um, you know there's a lot of other connections as well so nebraska is not out of it by any means but i do think the badgers have the the edge there but with aj rollins i think he's a nebraska lean uh thomas fedoni i still think nebraska is is probably the team to beat although it's going to be maybe a lot more difficult now than it may than it would have been three or four months ago um you know and and he's another one who i I think is going to wait to take visits before he's making his his ultimate decision but uh i I really do like nebraska's chances he grew up a husker fan i mean i know i know there's a lot of people in his family that are very very um big big nebraska fans and and the huskers have made him a very big priority from basically from day one so um that'll be interesting Uh, to kind of see you know how how that goes but you know I I like their chances with with both those guys and there's a couple others you know Eric Olson is another tight end from Colorado that has visited in the past um, you know kind of within the 500 mile radius and uh, you know, his, his mother is actually from Binkelman, Nebraska. She went to the to University of Nebraska, graduated, uh, and he has a lot of family in Omaha. And so he's another one that just kind of cut his list down and has Nebraska in his top six. And so then I think the Huskers are sitting all right there with him too.
1: You're listening here to the Husker Online Show as we talk. Recruiting here uh, with Nate Klaus and Nate, people always like, why do you guys talk so much about local guys and push for that? Well, I think this past week, the situation with Henry Gray is a perfect example of why local guys are important to have in your program because they're closer to home. They have their support systems closer to them. And when you rely so heavily, say, on trying to go to Florida or California or far, far away places, there's just more chances for things to go wrong, and we saw it with Henry Gray. There could be, who knows, another situation or two down the road with other guys, um, but you know, there are just so many outside factors that are out of your control when you recruit guys from far away where I think the odds and the numbers show if you can land your best local guys, you can at least build the base of your program with them and then complement them with the really good out-of-state guys.
3: Yeah, I think that's why you always want to see at least half of your recruiting class come from – you know, between in-state players and, and players that are within driving distance of, of Lincoln. And so, um, because it does kind of create a, a nice solid foundation for each recruiting class, a good base, if you will. And, um, you know, when you're talking about a kid who's from Miami or from L.A. or, or Houston or, or New York or wherever, I mean, there's always – there's a lot more variables that are in play, whether that's, um, you know, the health of family members or – um, or just being homesick or, or you know not, not feeling like you're acclimating in, uh, in into Lincoln uh, the way you thought you would or whatever. I, there's, just, there's always a number of factors. And this, this year you didn't have
1: spring practice. You didn't really have exactly. a spring game. I mean, Nebraska, like for a guy like Henry Gray, let's say he has a great spring and 70,000 some people show up to the red-white game and he looks good and he's interviewed by the press and he feels really good about his, his freshman year going into it. He probably doesn't leave. Yeah. Um, so, you know, coronavirus obviously played a factor in some of that as well because Nebraska barely had an opportunity to, you know, show Henry Gray why he picked Nebraska. The, they had two months, and it was the winter, and yeah. then two spring Arguably practices. the worst two months that you, can, that <laughs> you, you come, can live in Lincoln. Come to Lincoln, yeah. I mean, Especially I, I, if you're a kid from Miami. I feel like lately, December's haven't been bad. It's like no. G, it's January, February yeah. that are just awful, and even early Marches have been pretty bad lately in the <laughs> state. So, uh, it's unfortunate to see a guy like Henry Gray leave, but yeah, I think it just really to me emphasizes how important that local area is um, for all recruiting classes. Yeah,
3: no doubt. And 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 you mentioned the coronavirus. I mean, that I, I do think that played a large role in it. And and if there are any other defections or, or you know uh, guys that transfer early, I think that you might be able to trace it back to a little bit of that as well. I mean, these guys spent a couple months on campus and then went home and and. Got the got used to being at home again, and and you know maybe didn't want to go back, or or maybe some of their family members became sick, and and they felt like they needed to be closer to home. You know, I know Henry Gray had kind of mentioned that that he felt like he needed to be closer to home, and um you know and the proof is kind of in the pudding there. He transferred to to FIU there, just right down the road from his house. So um you know that that seemed to. To at least match up with what he was saying, but uh, there's no there's no question you want to build your base with with guys that are you know from the area and and it always starts in state and and you know unfortunately for Nebraska that's not been like shooting fish in a barrel or getting these in state guys lately it's been that's it's been. Just as hard, you know, recruiting some of these guys, and is going to continue to be very hard recruiting some of these guys, um, you know, to, to to keep those players at home. And
1: do you think 2021 is good? 2022? There's more four stars um, yeah. than we've ever seen in the state um, in a long, long time. Um, so, uh, no doubt, questions, challenges ahead as. Nebraska has made three 2022 offers in the state, all three to four-star prospects. Make sure you stay on Husker Online as we will keep you up to date on the latest. Also take advantage of a a great promo we're offering right now. You can get a membership for $49.99, which is half off. And if you enter the uh, promo code um, annual2020, you will receive a $49.50 gift card to use in the Rivals fan shop. It's the best offer we'll ever have on Rivals, so make sure you take advantage of it.
0: Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics.